0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join us for this special holiday edition of the Astrology Hub podcast. I've always loved the holiday season, the festive lights, the abundance of gatherings, the giving of gifts, and I've experienced my fair share of really challenging holidays as well. If you're in that position, I get it. But it's actually the more challenging holiday seasons that sent me on a search A search to discover why this time of year has been considered sacred for centuries all across the world, and why no matter what's happening in my life, I yearn for the deepness of meeting and soul at this time of year more than ever. And for me, it's been reconnecting with the astrological underpinnings of the season and the traditions we share that has delivered what I have been yearning for, which is why I'm so excited. To share today's episode with you. It's a holiday favorite here at Astrology Hub, and it's called The Christmas Mysteries with astronomer and astrologer Gemini Brett. In this episode, we talk about the intriguing connections between astrology and our popular Christmas traditions, uncovering how the stars and planets have influenced our festive legends and practices throughout time. We cover everything from why we bring trees into our homes to the lights that we string around them to Santa, his sleigh, and reindeer, and you don't even have to celebrate Christmas to enjoy this episode. If you love astrology, I think you're going to find it fascinating. But before we dive in, I also want to make sure you know you're invited to a very special free event that we're hosting here at Astrology Hub. It's for any of you who, like me, love seasonal traditions, but are in search for more depth and inspiration. It's our gift to you, and it's called the 12 Days of Solstice Challenge. It's a guided intention-setting journey through the lunar cycles of 2024. Each day of the event, you'll get a short 15-minute video from me introducing the theme for the day based on the zodiac sign of the lunar cycle. I'll provide you with a guided meditation and the giving journal prompts to help you set balanced intentions that are aligned with natural rhythm for the year ahead i am so happy to be sharing this gift with you. To learn more and join us, all you have to do is go to astrologyhub.com slash solstice. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. So as we listen to Christmas Mysteries, let's appreciate the enduring wisdom of astrology in our holiday traditions. Enjoy the episode, and I hope to see you at the 12 days of solstice. Welcome to the Astrology Hub Podcast, I'm Amanda Poole-Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub, and your host for our flagship show. We explore the many ways astrology can support you in your relationships, career, health, and personal growth. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Warning here. Okay, this is like a big spoiler alert, folks. So I'm just going to take my time. If you have some little ears around who are currently exploring the amazing magic of St. Nick and all that, um, this isn't the episode for them. Bring them back in a few years or whatever it will be. All right, we good? Pause the things? Hide your screen? Okay, we're good, sweet. So, because y'all, Santa Claus is fake. Um, But he might not be. I found that out from um, the facts of life on the TV screen when I was a kid. And, which I don't think TV should do. And they didn't give a spoiler alert, so I checked in with my sister, who's 14 months, my elder, and she's like, yeah, you idiot. And then that was the end of it all for me. It was pretty sad, actually. Um, but really what inspired this thing that I call the Christmas Mysteries was my nephew's awakening Kyle, who I wasn't there, but I heard how it went. It was around Easter time, another one of these very important Solar holidays um, and lunar, if you will, for that one, which we might even get to probably later. But Amanda and I did talk about Easter this year too. Um, Yeah, so Kyle had a friend over who lost a tooth and it was a molar. And Kyle's like, dude, you're stoked. That's five bucks, referring to his local um, tooth fairy economics. And um, his mom overheard that, my sister, and she was like, you know there's different tooth fairies and we don't know how they others work because she didn't want to lay that five dollar trip on this kid's parents um and kyle went into his room and the door shut and he came out i guess 15 minutes later and said i'm gonna ask you a question mom and i want you to be honest with me are you the tooth fairy and she said yeah um she wanted to be honest she promised to be honest and they had lived in spain for some time where it's not a fairy that comes to give you change for your tooth but it's a little rat and he goes are you ratincito perez also and she said you see yo soy ratincito perez tambien um and that was it and they had just come back from like a big easter egg hunt in dc where they were living at the time like a huge one and and he's like and the easter bunny she goes yeah so all those people, all those people we were just with, they were all lying to us. And she said, "Well, it's not really a lie." And he like, and he goes, "Oh, and I don't even want to ask about the big guy." And like the door slammed, and he was done <laughs> for the day. Came out like after dinner, and interestingly, he's chosen. Well, now he's now he's fifteen, and he's out of, of that cloud a little bit. But for years and years and years, he protected that mystery for himself, which I actually really honor. Um, there's an important truth of preserving myth and mystery and storytelling and the fairies and the gnomes and all this for the kids, you know? And I mean, I think that that's one thing that Steiner certainly got right. Um, although at the same time, there are kids who are excited to learn to read and write and do the maths ahead of time, according to that schedule, some, so to each their own. And we can see it in their charts, of course, um, and, you know, i got to say while well, I'm there that it's really cool to be on the podcast like hours after my beloved was on, <laughs> in the other room with your new show, with her new show about um, astrology for kids and parents, which is going to be a really exciting thing to witness. So, maybe the first time two podcasts from the same household. I don't know, but here's to that.
0: Definitely. Definitely. This is, this is a record.
1: Right on. We love it. Well, someday Koa will have his show. But right now he's five and we're trying to sort out like how to do this Christmas thing with him. Um, So when I asked my nephew and and his two sisters, my nieces, you know, one time I was actually visiting them in in Tokyo. and They had their whole Christmas thing happening. It was solstice time. And I said, hey, well, tell me what is Christmas about? And you get this like long, intricate story about Santa and the elves and Mrs. Claus. And they have that elf on the shelf, cat. I don't know if some of you guys have turned on to that. It terrifies me. It feels like it's sponsored by the NSA or something because like it's a a Christmas tradition, but it's like 10 years old. And the whole thing is you get an elf called Joe or you, you give him his own family name and the parents hide him in new places every day. And the kids have to discover him, but not touch him. And he's basically there to report to Santa whether you're being naughty or nice. Which is tricky. I was playing that song the other day on my saxophone, right? Like, you better be nice that whole trip. And um, and Koa started singing along, and I like couldn't resist saying, you know, man, that's just kind of like this trip that parents say to keep kids nice around this time. But then later that night, I was totally regretting it because he was not—he was being naughty. And, you know, I was like, man, I just like totally like showed my cards and they can like force the Santa control system on this unruly gentleman at five in the morning. Um, anyway, so in the last podcast, we spoke a lot about Santa and the potential shamanic roots of Santa Claus and the elves or, um, many places that, that goes to, um, claws and Schwarzkopf Heat, which is a very interesting thing that hopefully will get dismantled this year, but also might reach back to Odin and his ravens. Um, we talked a little bit about the historic saint, um, but mostly I want to share what has coming for me in my, basically my, my designs of creating like Series of Christmas mysteries, and the point of it is this: like when the kid has their their great awakening, right? Which is that the Santa Claus is fake. Um, that that could take all magic away, and it actually happens that way quite often when you speak with people.
0: Oh yeah, it did for me, and it took a long time for me to believe in magic again. And and one thing I just wanted to offer Brett is is the way that I've framed this with my. Only Madeline so far, because Sophia still believes. But I think she may be protecting the mystery, and I—I think she may sort of know. But is that it's not fake; it's the spirit of generosity, and the spirit of generosity moves through us, and we we do its role of giving in joy. And so it's not—it's not dead, and it's not fake. It's just—it's more of an energetic spirit, and that. Now we get to pass that spirit along and then they get to share it with people. And so it's it's another way to frame it. But I also love bringing in the, the what you're going to bring, which is the next phase of this initiation with the astrology and the astronomy as well. Yeah, well,
1: I'll say like my favorite bit has actually been my buddy Jake at one point told me that when... His kid went through the awakening. He did what his father had done for him, which is like, see, now you get to know that we can each be Santa Claus. And um, what, like, I was like tears in the eyes because it's really a heartwarming thing. It's really beautiful. He said, okay, so this is how it works. We find somebody around who needs a gift and we bring it and they don't know who it comes from. And uh, And the kid picked this old woman on the street who he sees every day come out to get her newspaper With bare feet in the cold, and he's like, we need to get some slippers for Mrs. Woman down the street, and they like ninja delivered some slippers, right? And then every day he would see the lady in her slippers, and right, so he knew that he was like doing this beautiful thing, which I love so much, and you know that goes back into the tradition actually. So some say about Saint Nicholas, who was like at least modeled after a true like Catholic priest, um, who ended up living the, his days out in Turkey because of the persecutions that were happening in his day and age. Um, but he had said would leave gold coins and like boots that were left outside. And some say that that's kind of where the Santa thing comes from. I see it reaching much deeper than that into history or history, like, you know, Saturnalia festivals and, in Rome or like, undeniable and then just the winter traditions and shamanic traditions so where i like to start is with the tree and so i sat with koa for some time and we were looking outside and i said so tell me the difference between that tree and that tree right and one was a pine and the other one's an oak right so and he got to learn words like coniferous and deciduous right and, and koa like science so that was cool um but, you know, it's like, so what does the evergreen teach us? And I let him, like, bring me to, well, it always stays green. And you can hear it in the name, right? Cole, oh, yeah. It's like, what do you hear in coniferous? Oh, these cones. And that was cool, too. Um, but so what does the tree that loses its leaf teach us? We talked about seasons and composting and the energy given to the soil so that the seeds can grow healthy. and um, And then we talked about the evergreen and how it's a reminder that we can make it through these cold and dark times Um, and you know I like to start there first and foremost I just yesterday was in Sedona and had lunch at the spot that I love and um, got to speaking with the bartender because I was sitting at the counter um, about what I was doing there which was a bunch of ceremonies and um, he's like well what kind of ceremonies and I talked to him about Jupiter and Saturn and and, um, which he had been looking at and He revealed after some time in our conversation that he practices like old Nordic um, pagan traditions. And we were talking about the tree and he said that in that tradition from what he learned, and I think it's maybe a bit modern, like a modern twist of an old thing, but he said that what you would do is you would light a tree outside of your house if your house was a safe place for travelers in the cold. So like that was to let people know that they were welcome in your place and that often they wouldn't come in, but you'd leave boots that you were done with out by the tree and people would take them to keep their feet warm as they were traveling and migration, whatever it may be. Just super beautiful.
0: Wow. I love that. How beautiful. I mean, to be to think that people were that gracious and welcoming to a stranger and that they would take the effort to signal that like here come here amazing
1: yeah remember like wrapping presents for kids and you would just write something like five to six year old or 10 to 12 year old you would go to kids that weren't privileged enough to receive toys and so I, mean, I heard him saying that yesterday. I was like, oh, we should light a tree outside. Like we actually have a cut tree inside. I'm feeling pretty bad about it. Um, and yeah. I uh, wonder, or- though,
0: if the tree in the window is kind of the same idea, you know, the the because a lot of us put the tree in the window so that people can see it from outside. So maybe it's a similar thread coming Yeah, through.
1: Wondering about having an outside tree that's like decorated with presents underneath, like labeled, you know, like, you know, if you need a present. Like that would be cool.
0: That's a cool idea.
1: Yeah. But we better get out of the heart and get into the mind or else we'll just
0: was <laughs> melt away.
1: In, in tears and goo for an hour, <laughs> which I love to do. But I want to tell you about the mysteries. Right. So um, what I realized, or actually, you know, what? before I go there, I, I will say this thing. That there is this initiation that happens for kids that have younger siblings. And I want to know how Madeline's doing with Sophia because you know the kids who often sit at the kids table or aren't part of the older crowd that gets to stay up after hours and the parties happening and all these things we used to do um, you know one thing that I feel is like an initiation or a secret handshake for them is that when they find out about Santa then they get to move on the adult team and keep the mystery alive for the younger kids.
0: Oh, yes. She is very much in sync and in line. And we, we like do the little eyes across the table. And, you know, there's all these like secret codes that we have to keep it preserved for sure. Did she? Was she angry at you at all when she found out? No, she's too. She's so. Um, God, with all that Scorpio energy, She like kind of knows and she's she's there's something about her that's so adult already. And the cool thing is She knows magic also exists. She knows she knows what magic is, and so for her, I don't think it like blew her world like it blew mine, because there still is magic. There's no question about that. It didn't. It didn't obliterate that for her.
1: We watched this movie Klaus the other day, which actually I would really recommend. It was cool. Uh, We watched it with Koa, and we're like, okay, ten minutes, and then it's bath time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe we just. 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, because we couldn't turn it off, right? So we finished the whole movie and he went late night, which is pretty hilarious. Um, But, you know, the whole time, it felt like they were actually just giving the big reveal about the Santa thing, but it's actually the Santa priest story.
0: Hold on, please. I'm having unexpected visitors. (laughs) So keep going. I'm going to actually mute myself for just a sec.
1: And is it believers? Yes. Yes. Right. So I'm (laughs) going to talk about Christ. Well, let's talk about trees more. Um, And I want to talk about the tree of earth, which looks like this. Although typically we would say this is an imaginary thing, which I like to call the spine of Gaia. Um, But I think many traditions have called this the world tree. And we hear it as many different names throughout cultures, different ages, different times, different places, and different languages. Um But Gaia's spine is the spin axis of Earth. If Earth is a wheel spinning every day, um, mm-hmm. then the spine would be the axle, right? And there's not an actual thing there. There's not an actual tree. But really importantly, Gaia's spine defines the cardinal directions and also the places where our cardinal cusps the cusp of the cardinal signs are aligned um because i feel in so many ways that this is the tree that we're talking about um and i'm going to show it in an astronomy software which will kind of make it easier to see i think um well did we just ruin it all over there amanda are we cool
0: okay no we didn't the thankfully everybody what just happened is my my two daughters just walked in i was not expecting them um but thankfully sophia went outside and the background noise was so loud that they couldn't hear anything that was happening
1: beautiful yeah i mean there's something that it is really important i believe for us to offer um honoring of myth and mystery and um you know, this whole idea of their imaginary friends and whatnot is parents who are sleeping to the possibilities of learning from our children who might not yet be so asleep (laughs) that they can still see. And I think, you know, one of the things that these Santa initiations always offer me is it's like, oh, what is my Santa Claus? Like, what is my belief? Or when I look around, I mean, it seems actually that the Christmas mysteries as being utilized by magicians on the other side has become this kind of capitalism thing that keeps you all twinkly and avoiding the deep dive that the wintertime actually asks us to explore.
0: The other thing is what I've been noticing this year is that there's such an emphasis on magic being alive only right now. Like, this is the most joyful time of the year. This is when the magic comes to life. And it's like, well, what about the other 11 months of the year? Like, it's actually quite depressing that this is the most wonderful time of the year. You know, I I, I think um, cultivating the perspective that there's miracles every day, all the time. There's magic all around us, all the time. We just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. But Um, I I think that's actually part of the program that then leads to so much depression around this time of year and also that letdown feeling when it's over. It's like this it's like when 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 people refer to like high school as the glory days. It's like, wow, that's really sad because there's a lot more life after high school. And it's like that's the pinnacle. That's that's just a depressing thought, really. You know, so. I I think it's It's
1: such a good point. And people who are alone for Christmas, which of course will reach like all time numbers this year, right? Like you're really being led to be depressed. I mean, this year, of course, they're like, connect with your family through Zoom video and think like all the way, you don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I mean, I do think that there is a rich tradition, like going all the way back. Some people are not going to make it through the winter right i mean modern times still but certainly in the day right and so yule on one level was like a celebration of all of the hard work that went into farming and harvesting and you know bottling or the equivalent and rationing the food that will make us you know help us get through and and it was like a party and a festival of lights and a huge feast it's like we're actually going to eat more than we should. We're, we're going to take a day or maybe a few away from that rationing trip and like show the gods that we have faith hmm. by like leaving food for them, but eating like more than our fill and like eating as if we were rich and it is the summertime and that kind of trip, you know. So, But if that's a few days, <laughs> when it gets turned into these many days, I mean, and interestingly, this one's fun, like the 12 days of Christmas traditionally like begin on Christmas don't lead to Christmas right Mm -hmm. it got turned to the capitalistic twisting of like oh a 12 days and you can buy something each of these 12 days and buy 12 you know winged ponies (laughs) whatever but you know the old ways it was like no it starts at Christmas and that leads to tres reyes or the three kings day so in many of the Latin cultures like in Spain presents are actually much more like they, they come around Epiphany time, which is like 12th day of Christmas where we're going. And that's like the adoration of the Magi and that, like the recognition of the Christ child. Um, go ahead. Well,
0: Saturnalia, which, which by the way, I introduced into our little um, uh, winter festival ritual uh, lineup this year. So we did our first Saturnalia, which, I, I kind of teased the girls all, you know, the, the months leading up. I was like, we're not doing Christmas this year. We're doing Saturnalia. We we're like, mama, did you make that up? That's not even a real thing. I was like, no, it's a real thing. It's a festival for Saturn. And it lasted seven days. And so I, anyway, we've been doing it. And it, it's the 17th to the 23rd. Um, and so, but I've been using it as an opportunity to provide gifts that, Embody the astrology of the day. So today is Mercury, yesterday was Mars. So I, I just little fun things. Um, and of course, we'll also do Christmas, but I, I wanted to start to, to um, connect it astrologically for them. Like there's, there's an astrological significance. And um, I'm trying to think of my point.
1: Uh, no, well, that is the point, and I love it. Maybe Thursday could be like, oh, and Jupiter gives you Christmas back.
0: Pepe, <laughs> that's such a good idea. I love that. Oh yes, that's good. Um, but yeah. So you were saying about the the festivals? Oh, oh, one of the things I was going to say is when in my research of Saturnalia, the government actually provided the feast for everybody, slaves and you know, uh, royalty. Everybody. Got to participate in this feast provided by the government, which is amazing if you think about it. Um, and then, and then in Hawaii, we have the Makahiki Festival, which mm-hmm. starts, which is totally astrological. It's aligned with the Pleiades. So, when the right. Pleiades rise in the east, that's when Makahiki started and it was a four month festival. Um, so, yes, continue.
1: Yeah, so the acronychal rising of the Pleiades when the sun is opposite them in November, but then also timed as we do in Hawaii to the moon. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting that one of the things around Saturnalia, and it's always heavy to think about other times like this, but like slaves and masters, it said, would switch places at least for a night. Um, and the masters would then serve the slaves and that kind of thing. I mean, without taking that too far, it'd be interesting how that dynamic looks in your house.
0: Oh, um, I, we, we've already had this conversation. I was like, so basically that means if we're switching roles, you guys are going to be cooking dinner for me. Like st- I think, like, I like started to think about it because at first they were like, yes, we're in charge. I'm like, hmm.
1: I think that's how it looks. <laughs> <That's what> you're, <laughs> really
0: Wait, okay. you're being in charge means you get to actually take care of me. Like fantastic. Yeah.
1: So then you're meant to wear the hat, right? That's yeah, like that red curly hat. That you see. Well, you know the Smurfs, so here's Papa Smurf. Who's very, um, and this is Libra Smurf from the Zodiac set. Um, um, he's got a very like Santa thing going on, Papa Smurf, and they live in mushrooms, and some say Santa goes back to the mushrooms. Some say it's the Coca-Cola bottle. Some say the red and white just the berries from the holly and the ivy, and it speaks as many of these seasonal traditions due to fertility, um, the ways that we always celebrated them way back reaching into the old. And that's some of the things that we talked about in that podcast last year. Um, and I think I refer to some places that you can go. There's a wonderful book of um, Winter Solstice by, I want to say John Matthews, I think is his name, and maybe his wife that I'd really highly recommend checking out.
0: I can grab it at some point See if you it. want. I can but, grab a book at some point if you want. Yeah, I would fun.
1: love for you to show that because fra- I can't find my copy at some, we, we moved since just after we did that podcast last year. Um, all right, so one thing I gotta say I'm struggling with right now, and I would love for your help with this, is to how to make these Christmas mysteries that I'll present to you interesting for kids. Right? Because that's one thing that like kinda goes away with uh, there we go. The winter solstice by who? John Matthews. Hey, with contributions from Caitlin Matthews. Cool. So, can't find the book. And there's not an audiobook or a Kindle version I just found out. Um, So, you got to get some paper, which is good. It's a good thing with all this information going digital these days. Get a used copy on the shelf. And uh, somebody sent me one. (laughs) It's a really good book. Anyway, so... um, Yeah, I was just saying, Amanda, maybe you heard this or not, that I want to find a way to like make these more interesting and mysterious and that kind of thing, right? What I'm doing right now is like the thing that I do, which is kind of decoding some of these things in the actual sky and like the actual nature of the marriage of heaven and earth. And that's my devotion astrologically in general, right? Like I hear all these things and it's like, okay. Like I come from the South Node and go to the North Node. Like, why? Because it works. Okay that doesn't work for me right like give me a little bit of the heart of the thing like give me actually give me the body of give me the salt of the thing like what is that and then I'll sit with the sky and ask and oftentimes I find confirmations for that which I'm being taught sometimes challenges sometimes challenges of why would this work the same in both hemispheres and you know those things that we have to really face I think as tropical astrologers if we want to not just Say this is a symbolic language, but as I do that, this is the poetic breath of nature. But what I, what usually happens is I do find confirmations from the sky, and in going to seek and asking these questions, I get so much more, and then I have this intimate connection, this understanding, and, I, and I've made friends with a bunch of beings up there. So I noticed one year, and it was actually in Japan. Um, I have my picture right here that Santa's actually in the sky, and this was a cool thing to hear. So. Yeah, I guess I'll just give the reveal photo, which is this one. Um, And so what you're looking at is the Ursa Major, the big bear, um, who has an asterism or kind of a mini constellation within the great constellation, which is called to many of us the Big Dipper, right, which is here. And in some traditions, that's known as the wagon or the chariot. Actually, um, slaves in America who were running from the South to find freedom in the North wrote this song that said, swing low, sweet chariot, because in the right times to go, which means it's not freezing cold, the chariot swings low. And um, the Big Dipper, it points to the North Star, right? So when you follow another one is um, follow the drinking gourd, right? Because the chariot, the Big Dipper is the drinking gourd. And the gourd points to the north star. So that's where I'll go north. But you can also, while the dipper will show you the directions, points in our day and age right to Polaris, the pole star, the north star, um, the dipper, and it's a little bit more advanced, I'm not going to get into it now, will teach you how to tell seasons just by what positions it's in when the sky gets dark enough to see Um And there's so many other mysteries that are tied to the Dipper. It's amazing. But, you know, I I had known that it was the wagon. It looks more like that. There's this weird thing around the bears of the heavens. This is the big bear, Ursa Major, and the little bear, Ursa Minor. And, you know, for people who are listening to the audio, um, get a picture of of Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But probably just go over to the video version of this podcast because I'm going to show a few things. you know it's weird that the bears of the heavens have these long tails. Like bears don't have long tails, <laughs> so, so, so it always was strange to me. And the wagon like made a lot more sense. Or um, this was also called the plow, right? In some agrarian societies, the Big Dipper, and it's I mean it's a I mean amazing bright constellation, the brightest thing in the north, huge, so recognizable, and tells us the directions and. Um so it's you know it has a very um it's very well recognized of course by all northern hemisphere traditions throughout time but what i realized this night um was that it's Santa's sleigh and you know, i was interested so just rewinding this conversation and i was asking my nephew and nieces what christmas is about and they had all these things to say about santa and the elves and mrs claus and um and and their and their elf on the shelf, Joe. And I was like, that's it. It's like, what about the tree? What does the tree mean? And was, so we had that talk, they weren't offering much. And like Christ didn't even come into the thing. Like it's not Santa Miss, you know, it's Christmas, Christmas. So what about that? Right? And um what I've realized since is that kind of Santa is the gateway into this thing for me. Then these mysteries bring us to the tree, and then, like, the Christ stories open up. And that basically, as I was writing this little curriculum up, I'll, I'll show it to you, and people can take a screenshot if you want. It's not like as dialed in as it will become. um But it basically is how I teach sacred astronomy. You know, I teach astronomy for astrologers. um, For many of the organizations, I like to call it sacred astronomy because I'm not just talking about mathematical equations and how to calculate a chart from some tables and that. I'm talking about how to get outside with your feet on the ground and see the chart in the sky and see the sky in the chart. And I really try to do that in a reverent, you know, heart centered, embodied. All of the sky and its mysteries way, not as some like, you know, academic nerd, although I can't get away from my true personality. Right. But I have had some complaints in the orgs, like um, for the organization for professional astrology to get certified, you go through my astronomical training and some eh, it's been rare. But some people have been like, yeah, what's up with all the shaman guy stuff? Like, let's just let's just get the science. Right. Um, So. I will be teaching Astronomy for Astrologers later this year for Astrology Hub, and I'm excited because I know in this community I can be a little bit more of like, get out there, have this practice, this is your soul work, because we can learn these things on the small screen, but it's nothing like big screen, the living sky. You've got to do that to integrate this um, connection to the heaven and the earth that Sadly, astrology in so many ways is like forgetting. And, you know, we've handed those keys of one half of our craft, which is on one side, astronomy, the measurable heavenly happenings. And on the other side, correspondences, the immeasurable qualities of those quantities. And astrology really is the rainbow bridge between the two. But these days, we just call it correspondences, astrology. And astronomy is left to these cats who like calculate our tables which we need to heal ourselves to help others heal themselves but you know in doing so we've also just released a spiritual practice of the heavenly happenings now i should say that astronomers you know they're often i don't think most of them would call this but they're like in ceremony you know there's so many people out for the jupiter saturn conjunction recently and noticing of course the synchronicity of it happening at solstice. And this is a big deal. And it hasn't happened for this many years and you won't ever see them get this close in your life. And, you know, and like eclipses, they're out there like more than astrologers are who are often hiding it. At home. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of course of predominance in the astronomical realms now of like materialism and rationalism and that reverence for the sky and a living sky is often so missing. So it's one of my, I mean, I think my principal devotion in this life is to help astrologers remember to get outside and look up and reconnect our craft to, to where it came from in the beginning.
0: You are playing a pivotal role, a key role in this bridge and connecting astronomy and astrology. It's, we're, that's why we're so excited to have you teaching on our platform because, I mean, one of the things that was amazing was this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and how many people were paying attention. To me, it feels like for the first time ever, and I know that sometimes eclipses get that much attention and things, but I mean, I guess the summit at Haleakala was just jam-packed with people. Like, it was, there were so many people up at the summit of the volcano that I live on, Haleakala. And And that to me is so exciting. You know, everyone at HULA last night was talking about Jupiter-Saturn and asking questions. What does it mean? And what's happening? And it's like, oh, wow, people are starting to look up and people are starting to understand there's a significance there. And like even comparing how many people were at our Saturn-Pluto conjunction ceremony in January Mm -hmm. compared to how many were at the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction ceremony in December, a huge, I mean, at least twice as much, maybe three times as many people at least joined us for the December one. But I think that's because we've all lived through this year. Right. We've all lived through, oh, whoa, that astrological thing actually did have an- Right,
1: because at the awesome. beginning of the year, it's like, there's the astrologers, but oh, they're God. pretty, you know, something's crazy. Yeah, yeah yeah. So, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh my God, they were so right. Yes. Their thing. But also, and I think it's important, it's a beautiful- it's one of the beautiful things about this year for those who have been privileged enough to be okay through this kind of dismantling of the old ways and the labor pains that we will continue to go through as a new world is born we really must midwife as we were talking about in the ceremony recently um Um, is that now folks have time to study what they want to study i have so many more students this year I, i teach privately only you know and 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 people are just like I've just been wanting to study for decades and decades. I've been so busy with my job, and now I can do and study what I love. Yeah. Um, and then they'll you know now work in their field that they love. And I so yeah, it is really nice to see so many people coming to astrology. It's really nice to see so many people celebrating the Christmas star. Right?
0: Yes. yes. It
1: Did not look like one star, did it to you? No. And I mean, I love what you said because I can tell that you've been looking, right? That they were like these two eyes that are getting closer and the eyes are crossing, they're getting closer and closer. I've been looking at this for years now and just they, Jupiter and Saturn used to be, you know, where I could like stretch my arms almost to their fullest and point to one and point to the other. And then every year they're getting closer, right? And it's interesting how they show up in the skies that sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, and then they became these eyes and now they've just passed by i planned my plane back from arizona yesterday so that i would take off just at sunset but then i'm flying west right so the sun never like was just setting for the whole plane ride so i was just staring at jupiter and saturn the whole time and asking this question hey which one of you guys is santa right (laughs) (laughs) question of all questions are you like are you guys meeting about this or because you know Because you, Saturn, you sound like Santa to me. Yes. And I heard Saturnalia and I heard something about you rule Capricorn and that's this time of year. And But uh, people can, Jupiter, like people keep saying you're like the fat and jolly dude. So (laughs) you guys might want to like, as long as you're meeting up there, like it's going to be 20 years, you might want to sort this out, right? Yes. And I'm all ears, you know, like to listen to my requests, but every now and then, and I haven't heard the answer yet, but I will say. That, you know, there is again that like, let's get jolly. Let's get Jupiter in the midst of winter. If you think, and this is Northern Hemisphere trip, right? But if you think about the classical domicile lords, let's talk astrology for a bit. It's Jupiter as Sagittarius and Jupiter as Pisces. And in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the first moment of winter when Sagittarius becomes Capricorn. And then the last moment of winter when Pisces becomes Aries, at least the suns travel through the signs, right? So if you think of it in that regard, Jupiter is holding the cold time. Again, like I don't like to usually speak so locally, Northern Hemisphere, this is a trip. And then so the sign in between Capricorn, Aquarius, Saturn, it was said to be the cold one, the slow one and that kind of thing. And so I like thinking about Jupiter, Sagittarius in that regard. is like, yeah, yeah, roll out the scrolls, because it's clearly getting dark, y'all. And you want to make sure you're in line. But also, look, it's going to be good for you. And I got your back. You're going to make it through. Seek in the darkness. And then on the way out, Pisces is like, see, here here comes the sun. You know, I teach often like with the solar, the seasons, like the Beatles songs, So here comes the sun is that time of spring equinox. And the light now overcomes the dark of night. And then the summertime is like, um, oh, my gosh, what is the one? Like, it burns my feet as they touch the ground. Oh, good day, sunshine. It's just such a summer song. And then um, for the autumn, it's... um, Someday you'll wait to see I've gone, but tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Right, the sun's falling. And then interesting, the winter is sun king. Which, you know, everyone is happy. <laughs> we don't sound happy at all. Like, <laughs> everyone is laughing. <laughs> Comes the sun king, right? And it ties into these old sun king traditions and that kind of thing. But there are really cool transmissions around this time of year. We don't get Christmas songs. We get some religious Christmas songs and some songs about Christ. We get some Santa songs and that. But you don't really get any songs honoring the longest night. People in the comments actually correct me if I'm wrong and turn me on to this.
0: Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining.
1: Yeah, right. So this time longer because it's a long night. That's right. A- yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's basically about the coming of Christ, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the Christmas star a little bit. Um, so the story is that the three kings, who interestingly are said to come from the east, followed an eastern star. Hmm. It's like, would you go all the way around the world? <laughs> um, so because you know, there's some have suggested and are calling this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction the Christmas star, because there's a suggestion that maybe their conjunction in the sign of Pisces in seven BC, which was very close, like this one we just saw, or RCE, I should say. Um, was the Christmas star. Now there are some candidates. I was just talking to my first teacher, Daniel Jamari, about this where in 3 BC as morning stars in the east, and then in 2 BC as evening stars in the west, Venus and Jupiter got together for a really close occultation, almost occultation like this. And when Venus is on the scene, now, you know, that's when people are calling the police about there's a UFO and it's like, no, that's Venus. not saying there's not UFOs, but oftentimes people are calling in Venus, right? It's like, no, that's the goddess. Um, And so when Venus and Jupiter get together, that's going to be much more of like a shocking show. But I mean, I wonder if the star that we're talking about is called the sun. But the sun moving into a new age, which very likely was happening when Christ was born. And that was kind of the big deal about this shift for the sun. So now earlier, I was challenging Santa Claus kids like now I'm going to challenge other folks and you might want to split, um, which is like looking at some of the Christian stories, which I'm sure are that Christ who told us he was the son of man and was talking about, maybe S-O-N, but especially S-U-N. The English language came after. And I think this was a very purposeful homonym. And the Christ mysteries um, are tied to the mysteries of many other let me say solar guides or even solar deities throughout time and i know some people struggle with that and you know i don't want to offend you um but i will if you don't turn this off right now so maybe go for it or maybe not and see what happens so but before that let's play with old saint nick a little bit more um hi hermes this guy okay so here's santa's sleigh and it's the big dipper And the Dipper has this arc of stars that we say in astronomy, it's a great thing. You've arc to Arcturus, who is Arcturus, the red-nosed reindeer. Um, You know, I forgot all their names, Dasher and Donner and Comet and Blixen, (laughs) all these cats, right? Which for me, I saw in the sky are the arc of the Big Dipper, the tail of the big bear. And then the train of reindeer continues through Boeti, Boetes here, or Botes, or Bootes. I've never known how to pronounce his name correctly. The herdsman, who is said to be herding the deer. And I could tell you the Greek myth, but I want to stick with this one. And there is a bright star, the fifth brightest star in our sky, a super giant orange star called Arcturus, which for me is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer okay, well, let me show you another thing about this. And so I was on the roof at my sister's place and in Tokyo, like tripping about why these kids are into the Santa thing and a little bit of tree and none of the Christ and what does Christmas become? And there's so many presents and excitement for the next one before we even really like received the one that was just unwrapped and that whole thing. And um, I'm kind of, you know, I was living alone for a long time at the time, It's kind of on the bah humbug strip, honestly speaking. But I was looking at the sky and and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Santa's sleigh. And um the reason why I say that this is very much aligned to how I um, begin teaching astronomy for astrologers, although I'm thinking about shifting this, but I like to begin with what's called the primary motion. Um so this This is Stellarium astronomy software, which is amazing. And it's free, by the way, this yellow curve is, um, what's called the ecliptic plane. And that's the plane of earth's orbital path about the sun. So from our point of view as the sun orbits, um, or the earth orbits the sun in a year. The way we experience that, of course, is here on earth, we see the sun orbiting us. And if we extend that plane towards infinity we encounter the constellations of the zodiac. So from Earth's point of view, the sun is always held by one of those 12 star groups. And it is the plane that certainly astrology is most interested in because our solar system is relatively flat. So it's the ecliptic that hosts Venus and Mercury and Jupiter and Mars and Saturn and all the cats, right? Um, But the other plane that you see here on the screen, for those of you who are watching the video version, that's this blue curve, that's called the celestial equator. Let me just break out my earth here. Um, that is earth's equator projected into space. Okay. It's like, it's literally that simple. And if you think of our daily motion, right. Which is our daily 24 hour spin on the world tree, Gaia's spine, right? That's the spin axis, the plane of our rotation, right? So if you think of earth as like a wheel, the axis would be the axle. And then the plane would be like where the rubber meets the road, right? Um, that plane is the celestial equator and it's simply Earth's equator projected out into space. So when we watch the sky at night, like how we experience Earth's daily spin, is by watching the sky spin and earth spins from the west to the east, right? This is actually why like, you'll see it on the camera here. Like New York is gonna come into your view. You're the sun. Okay before California, before Hawaii does. Because the earth is spinning from the west to the east, right? we notice the sky rising in the east and setting in the west. It's a simple matter of relativity. And the sky spins around the axis in 24 hours' time. So you can learn to find the axis in the sky. Um, I'm going to turn around here north. I've got this cast for... Richmond, California, where I live. And um, the Gaia spine points in the heavens to places called the celestial poles. So put this away and show the globe again. Earth's world tree, our spin axis, emanates from the heart of Earth, where we all Earthlings, are connected. It's the place we actually measure astrology from because it's global. And it passes through the terrestrial poles right? So it passes through the South Pole of Earth and Santa's home, the North Pole. And then it points in the sky to what are called the, the celestial poles. So we've got terrestrial poles and celestial poles, right? These, by the way, on the Earth, are not the magnetic poles. They're the spin poles of the true North and true South. And so if you think about watching a um, bike tire spinning, You can see the spokes get all blurry, but there's one point that doesn't move, right? Which is the center of the rotation. And that's happening also in our sky. So the place where Gaia's spine or the world tree points is a fixed place in the heavens. And all of the other stars in one day's time spin about it. The motion in the northern is... um, a counterclockwise motion did i just mute myself can you hear me amanda we can hear you okay cool so as i move this through time like what you're going to notice is that all of these stars are spinning about polaris which is the tail star of the little dipper importantly this changes over time but it's going to be like that for your whole life and so as i said earlier we can um get back up above the horizon and I'll pause this for a sec. We can follow the Big Dipper. We can arc to Arcturus. But the other thing to know about the Dipper, which there's many actually, It, it drops water on the lion and all sorts of other things. I'll show you another time. But if you follow the end stars of the Dipper, they're called the pointer stars and you go about four times the length between the two and it brings you to Polaris, the North Star. And that's the tail star of the Little Dipper. So importantly, this train of Santa and his reindeer, not only do they point, oops, let me get them back on screen where I want them here. Santa and and his reindeer being, again, the Big Dipper and the Ark of the Dipper and then the herdsman here to Arcturus, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that kind of super asterism points to the North Pole in the heavens where all the stars spin about. Um, And importantly, like all of the stars, it travels all the way around the sky in one day or one night, right? So this is Santa and his team of reindeer like traveling all the way around the world to deliver toys to all the boys and girls and other beings um, during one night. Right. And a cool thing. So I've like, I've shown this kids around me and they actually get really excited about it. And I would love to like, keep them out there until the sun rises. That's not happening, but the sun will rise and you say, oh, but they, it just went away because this is one of the key reasons why I teach. And I'm not the first who I find out that the 12th house is hidden things. It's strange to say that because the sun can't be seen in the first. It hasn't risen yet. It rises into the 12th. But as the sun rises to illuminate the earth, it hides the sky, right? But when that happens here in California, it's still night in Hawaii. And so you can say, no, you see like Santa's now, he's just moving on to the next place, Drop enough toys there, the sun will rise and then he's in the next place. And this is how he's able to cover the whole globe in a day. And very importantly, it points to the North Pole. And that, of course, again, in our day and age is polaris. Which to bring it back to the tree mysteries, that is the star on top of the tree, right? So it's a very important star, Polaris, because it doesn't move in the sky. We see all the other stars moving about it. And what are the other like twinkling lights that we decorate our tree with are the stars. So we have the star on top, which is Polaris and all of the stars. And this teaches what's called the primary motion which is our, really our primary experience of astronomy is day and night. So as the earth stands, there's one star that doesn't move and the rest are the twinkling lights. And that came to me actually when I was laying under a tree in Seattle one time and I looked up and it was this really thick cedar tree and there's just a little bit of pinprick lights coming through in all these places. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm inside a Christmas tree, right? And it looks like a starry sky. It was great. All right. Um, So the next level, these are the first two, Santa and his sleigh really just here to bring our attention to the first thing, which is the tree and the tree being the spine of earth, something we all share, right? And Santa teaches us about north and teaches about going all around the world and one day in his, sleigh. but that should bring our attention back to the tree. Into the lights on the tree, which are the stars, into the one star that doesn't move at all, which is the North Star. So, hopefully, that is something you feel. And of course, the mysteries associated there, we would really want to speak about what it is to be evergreen and why we string lights on the world tree and the star on top of the tree. All right. So, the next bit you see here is Christ is born the Virgin, the Manger, the Three Kings, and the Christmas Star. Now, there's a movie called Zeitgeist that turned me on to a trip that um, is kind of hard for me to see in the sky. Oh, this is weird. Stellarium's out of control. Um, Which is basically that what they're claiming is that at Christmas time, and let's go
0: to the 25th. Okay, here we are. So. Christmas morning, when you
1: look in the Northern Hemisphere, where, of course, Jerusalem is, you see the constellation called the Virgin. And um, earlier in the night, and I'm going to rewind time, so we're going to go to midnight here. So here's the old holy night, you know. There's three stars in the sky that have long been called the three kings who of course are actually the three magi. In other words, the three astrologers and these three Kings, interestingly, and this changes over time, it's very important in its tale for another time, but Orion's belt in our day and age is aligned to the celestial equator, aligned to the plane of Earth's spin. And these are the three Kings in the bright star that they don't really follow, but rather proceed, is Sirius. And some say that this is about the three kings, Orion's belt stars, that when they're looking through the brightest star of our sky, Sirius, which herself is associated traditionally in the mysteries from Kemet, the land we now call Egypt, with Isis, with the queen of heavens who I'm going to speak about in just a second too, because that brings us to the Christian mysteries from an older tradition. But you can see that this line from the three kings through the Isis star, through Sirius, the bright star, the dog star, they point to the Holy Grail, interestingly, and they point to the virgin here, right? I prefer to say priestess, but Virgo, the constellation, which is different than the sign. Right, that's what Virgo means, and so some have suggested that that's the Virgin Mary. Now, with this movie Zeitgeist is trying to explain, it's as if the Sun is right here and kind of being born of her, but that's not really how it works at Christmas time. That's like the Sun is there, like November, late October, um, like right in kind of womb space where the sun is at Christmas time. And I'll just stop here at sunrise. Of course, it's going to look a lot more like that because the 12th house is (laughs) hidden things, but the software lets us play, you know, it's hard to see. This as like the Virgin giving birth to the sun way down here, because you are going to see the scales in the scorpion. Now, if we go to like 2000 years ago, um, it's actually even further from that being so. So it might suggest that if Christ is the son, he's born not at December time, right? Like that whole December 25th for Christ's birthday, that's not in a big book. That came around as part of the Council of Nicaea in the third century where like the Catholics had a big conclave to decide which Christian books were going to be kept in the Bible and which would cast out and many other things, including the Gregorian or the Julian calendar and much more. Um, but anyway, so there's one thing that the cool thing to see in the sky is just this idea of the three Kings and how they point to the bright star in the sky. And that, that might be the star Sirius. that, the three magi were looking for. And it's an opportunity to really get to know some of um, the stories of old. (laughs) So the star Sirius, the dog star, supposedly, you may have heard this term, the dog days of summer. Well, they are when the sun is so close to Sirius that Sirius goes what we call under the beams and has its heliacal setting where you can't see it for 70 days until the sun has passed the star far enough by for that sun then to rise, the star Sirius to rise before the sun and it's reborn as a morning star. So it's said that mummification was a 70-day process, which was um, the period of Sirius's disappearance. Sirius, which was called Sothis, which was a calendar star and associated with Isis. So very short version of a story is that Isis's brother, Osiris, as they're known in in the Greek language, was killed by their brother, Set, who was jealous that um, Isis was his wife instead of Set's. And um, I mean, the story is long and beautiful. And Isis, after his first death, resurrected him. Um, and that time, like, Set had trapped him in this beautiful sarcophagus and drowned him. But Isis found him and brought him back to life with some assistance. So the next time Set was like, F that, I just cut him into 14 pieces and spread them throughout the land we now call Egypt. And it said that Isis and and Nephthys, their sister, and Anubis, and Thoth, and others went searching for these pieces to put Osiris back together and everywhere they found one one of the great temples of Egypt was consecrated. And there's 13 of them because they couldn't find the 14th piece. It was thrown into the Nile, eaten by crocodiles, and that is the phallus of Osiris. And so they could put him back together, but even if they could bring him back to life, they would not be able to produce a hair to the throne. So Thoth created this magical golden phallus. And Isis said, turned herself into the Falcon and flew above it, becoming magically impregnated by the seed of her king, of her husband, of her brother, Osiris. And then Osiris went through the underworld and became what today we call Orion in the sky. So Orion's belt would be Osiris's belt. And it said that... um, Sirius, the brightest star in the sky, follows Osiris, that that's Osiris and Isis traveling together. And here's an image of the moon looking at the sun from my camera at this time I shot in Sedona. Um, But some might suggest that um, their sun, the product of their virgin birth, would maybe be this star. It's called Aldebaran, one of the royal stars, the eye of the bowl. But that's not him at all because it was well-known that this child, this magical child, born of a virgin birth, born of a virgin, was the son. His name is Horus. And Horus is the avenger, at Set because he is meant to avenge his father's death. And so Horus is in an eternal bo- battle with his uncle Set, which of course is why we call the sun Horus Setting Set. And that's when Set wins every night, and then Horus wins every morning when the sun rises. And it's said that in, like in the end, Horus will finish this battle and be the victor. Um, but it's a really beautiful story. And there's many stories that point from around the world, that point to the sacred place in the sky, which is Orion. I actually think that the manger of our sun is there. I should say that there, um, there are stars that are known as the manger. And there's like donkeys there. That lives over in the crab constellation, but, and the astronomers, by the way, like, wouldn't agree. But I think many of the mysteries teach us that this place, which is Orion Nebula, is the nebula where not only so many stars that we know of were born, but that our own sun was born. So, because why? Because we're told this is Osiris and that this thing that we call Orion's sword would then be the golden phallus of Osiris from which this magical seed that birthed the sun, right? They're like, the, in their tradition, there's no denying that Horus is the sun. This is an image close up from Hubble of the Orion Nebula, which is just this amazingly beautiful, mysterious birthplace of stars. And it feels for me like very kind of vulvic, very like womb-like. Um, and so I love that that's happening in, in the golden phallus. You know? excuse me the maya they call these three stars that surround the orion nebula and orion's sword as we call it and it's the um, easternmost belt star and the two feet of orion they call those three stars the hearthstones because they say that they surround the smoke of creation and the maya today still like in traditional villages when a couple is married and they set up their new home the village fire is brought to their home and that they've already set up a triangular um, stones. The hearthstones were for the family tortilla grill and that those three stars or three stones represent these three stars in the sky because they surround the smoke of creation. So I'm like, sure, there's actually other mysteries that suggest again and again that that's the place where our son was born. So it's one thing I teach in these mysteries that like, The three wise men are at the manger of the birth of Christ, who would be the son. So, you know, again, if that's Isis, is that Horus, Aldebaran, which surround Orion or Osiris? And no, this is a very intriguing map. And again, sorry to those who are just listening on the audio, check out the video version. This is one of the great constellational images that um, Solarius painted, Andreas Solarius, this is a map a Christian map of the heavens which is created by Julius Schiller and so there's like Old Testament in the um ecliptic and there's New Testament in different places and it's pretty intriguing but the thing that I think intrigued me most is that Orion in Julius Schiller's map is St Joseph And he's holding like the Masonic compass and square in the Acacia sprig. Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Can you say that again?
1: Yes. (laughs) Let's go back here. So this is um, Orion. All right. So what we know is Orion, Julius Schiller in the, I think 18th century Christianized the sky. And he turned all the old Greek, you know, pagan constellations into good, healthy Christian constellations. Like argo became the ark right mm. and um i think well you know like the 12 tribes are in it the 12 disciples are in it uh, and i'll read some of from from a writing um but yeah so what we know as orion or what in egypt was called osiris schiller christianized as saint joseph wow right so basically the father- that's
0: that, that shows that that's the birth place or the birth phallus of the sun. Right. I mean, when, yes.
1: I mean, it shows, I love where you're going, that it shows to me that um, it, as Osiris, as Orion is Osiris, and this was likely known, is the father of the virgin birth of this child, Horus, who is the sun, that in these later mysteries, these Christian mysteries, the father Joseph, right, is the father through of this virgin magical birth of the son who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? And now, I mean, it's a little less removed for Joseph. There's no golden phallus thing. It's an angel in a dream, right? Like, so it's not like it's one-to-one, but interestingly, I mean, some suggest that Horace himself was born on December 25th in the manger. And actually, we better go there. Why December 25th? Because it's the solstice. And solstice means the sun stops. So what I'm really excited to show you in the Sacred Astronomy teachings is what I hope you'll go notice is that the sun does not rise in the same place in the horizons every day or set on the same place. And that at this time, it's both rising and setting at its furthest southern extreme from due east and due west. And then the sun stops at solstice and turns around. The Greek word for that is tropicos, for which our tropical zodiac is named. And now at the south solstice, which is a word that applies to both hemispheres, north and south, the sun will start its six-month journey northward. Where, of course, in the northern hemisphere, that means now the days will grow longer. And this is a northern hemisphere tradition, right? So in that sense, it is the birth of the sun. Uh, from yes, the darkest
0: the night right exactly yeah i you know where i live i get to watch the sun set every night and it it does it moves it goes like this and then it goes back and then it goes like this and then it goes back but so basically right now the sun has quote unquote stopped and then it's going to it's going to start to go back the other way.
1: Right. Think about those exercises where you run and then you stop and you come back the other direction and coach is blowing that whistle and you just wish it would all end. Right? Right. I mean, I don't even want to say what they called them in my school. But, you know, when you're running and you stop and you pivot and turn around, you know, you're you're stopped and then you start moving the other direction in between the stopping points, you're moving as fast as you can. Those are the equinoxes. And at the stopping points, those are the solstices, right? So when the sun reaches its extremes, and you can see this by the way, in the cancer glyph, which shows us the sun moving six months, one direction, stopping, turning around, going six months, the other direction. And the moon does it every month, cancer ruled by the moon, you see. Um, but so it just stopped and it's parked there for a while. And it's kind of December 25th ish when you notice, okay, now it's heading back north. Hmm. Crazy, where I'm sitting, like I have to go in a koa's room over there to see the sunset in June. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's setting over here. Mm-hmm. Like in, I mean, in California, we're not even too far from the equator. I'm at 38. I'm the same latitude as Greece, it, Athens. But it's a huge journey, and the further you are from the equator, the more it goes. um So, very importantly, like there is astronomical truth of why so many Northern Hemisphere traditions celebrate the birth of the sun at solstice, at winter and December solstice time for the northern hemisphere, right? Winter solstice, Christmas time. And so there's nothing in the Bible about that. I mean, Gary Kate and our friend, just wrote a cool post, check it out on his page, about how it looks like Christ is an Aries. And there's something about, well, the shepherds and like, really, like in December time? I and mean, right. we have to honor that the, you know, the... I um, mean, the um, weather is a little different in Jerusalem and that, but still, you know, it definitely seems like a pretty spring-like scene. Um, but anyway, there are certainly esoteric reasons why we want to link the birth of the sun to days now beginning to come longer after the longest night. Another image would be a spring equinox, wherever you are, where light overcomes night, right? But of course, we celebrate that as, as the time of resurrection. And um, that's where these Christmas mysteries would go. I'm not going to quite get there today, but I do want to read this from Julius Schiller. And this is in a book by Christopher Warner that I found online, the Augustian epic, Patriarch to Milton, right? And so it's in this chapter called Virgil the Evangelist, where he says um, Julius Schiller's monumental star atlas. Um, replaces all the traditional names of the constellations with Christian ones. The names of constellations in the northern hemisphere are inspired by the New Testament and early history of the church. Aries is now St. Peter, for example. The Corona Borealis is Christ's crown of thorns. Cassiopeia is Mary Magdalene. Now that might feel like some great honoring Mary Magdalene, finally. No, no. Because the story of Cassiopeia, sadly, it's one that really can be rewritten, is that she's this queen who's tied to her throne so we can witness her every night. She also points to the North Star. So every night she tips upside down. And the story in the Greco-Greek story, that is the punishment of this queen who, with her husband, declared that um, the human is divine and better than the gods. And they took all the statues down and this kind of thing. And They were punished and it leads to Andromeda and Perseus and Pegasus and all sorts of amazement. But, um, you know, it's a story that could be rewritten. But I just want to say that much of it because this isn't like some honoring of Magdalene. It's like, oh, yeah, she's the queen that we witness in her shame.
0: (laughs) What's amazing to me is this thing, too, prefaced with a dedication to Ferdinand II, assuring him that there is, quote unquote, nothing scandalous. In this new map of the heaven, nothing adverse to the Orthodox Catholic religion or the laws of the Holy Roman Empire or contrary to good morals like whoa, It's, it's astounding,
1: right? You know, it's interesting is that we, of course, and we were just talking about this in the astrology hub ceremony for the Jupiter Saturn conjunction the other day is that we're moving from you know, a, a, a true transition now into full on Jupiter Saturn conjunctions every 20 years in air signs for the rest of our life. And this shift from earth to air, previously it came around the birth of Alexander. Um, and that was also then accompanied and not without violence that's for sure with like an amazing Renaissance philosophical happening. that literally probably led to the birth of Western astrology Um, There was another time, the next time, actually, which would have been 800 years later from that Hellenistic era, when actually it was the kind of dark ages, thanks to the church, where a lot of the Hellenistic wisdom and the astrological wisdom was completely buried to the Western experience, right? Buried at the stake. The next time was the time that we historically call the Renaissance, 800 years after that. That was the last time 800 years ago when these great conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn in their greater elemental cycle moved from earth to air. And at that time, I mean, it was a huge resurgence of Western astrology, which actually likely, right, is what produced the Renaissance. Mm. I mean, in, in part, this was recovering from the plague. And now I'm sure people have been looking into that this year. But like, Cosimo de' Medici had his agents scouring the globe to look for the ancient scrolls for everywhere, you know, like in Tibet. And, and when they found the Corpus Hermetica, right, like the writings of Hermes Trismegistus, like he had his translators stop Plato to tune into Hermes. And in so many of those transmissions, there is astrology, there is the zodiac. And, and this was the return of kind of a classical western astrology which had been missing thanks to the church's burnings and fascinatingly in this time because really we've been transitioning from the so-called christmas star from um earth signs to air signs like since the 1980s there were conjunctions on new year's eve 1980 and twice in 1981 in the sign of libra and then earth sign conjunction in taurus in 2000 and now we're full stop with this aquarius conjunction a couple of days ago on on december solstice 2020 um, In 1993-ish, Project Hindsight was born, which is like a whole nother level of Western astrology reclaiming translated texts and other information from our Hellenistic roots. Mm -hmm. So fascinatingly, in all of these so-called Christmas star, if you will, like Jupiter, Saturn, conjunctions and cycles through the elements, there has been a resurgence of Western astrology that has led to a renaissance of philosophical ideas and you know it's wonderful the astrology hub is a huge part of this at our time right now
0: wow that is mind-blowing brett okay let's so we've covered the tree we've covered santa and the sleigh we've covered uh the birth the the birth of the sun
1: yeah so let me just do two quick things and we'll kind of tease these and we can go into them deeper next year (laughs)
0: <laughs> three all which right spe-
1: which feels right right so like so this is where we are in review we got the jolly santa on his sleigh which is big dipper leading with the train of reindeer to Arcturus, the red-nosed reindeer and that every night those constellations in the northern sky circle all around the world delivering toys to all the girls and boys and that right um Can you and sharing brett please what's that stop, stop screen sharing yeah yeah We're just going to have to watch those animations again because there's two more slides I want to show there. Um, So, yeah, well, let me just at least show St. Nick as I say that, right? So here's Santa and his sleigh and the reindeer pointing to Arcturus, the red-nosed reindeer, and that they circle the globe. And that brings us to the tree with the world tree being Earth's spine which points to North Celestial Pole. In our day and age, there is a star that lives there called Polaris or North Star. That's the star on top of the tree. And the other stars that we decorate the tree with are all the other stars in the sky. And that reminds us of this primary motion, this daily motion, this spinning of the earth. And that's one of the most important things for us to re-nature our astrology, because it's weird. You know, we don't see The sun moving through the signs, as much as we see every day, the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. And it's a source of great confusion with astrology students. And I'm always like, I don't know, check this out. And, you know, so I'm really excited to have the opportunity to teach a lot of people in this community, you know, just go outside, witness this. Now let's learn to see it in the the chart and we can kind of heal some of those sources of confusion that we're all meant to be in in this initiation because nobody's teaching us about how the sky moves. But what a wonderful opportunity when the mystery of Santa goes away to engage with these new mysteries of celebrating the magic of nature in her marriage with earth in the heavens, you know? All right. So let me just finish this thread. The next pit we get to is the birth of Christ, which is this mysterious thing. And it brings me, I mean, mysteriously into Osiris and Isis and the birth of Horus. I mean, this is like a higher level mystery, right? But we get to learn, I think a lot about the, about Christ. And so this is the most important bit I think here. He says the planets of the solar. So this is Julius Shillard's Christianized Constellational map. The planets of the solar system also have new names. Saturn is Adam. Jupiter is Moses. The sun is Jesus Christ. The earth's moon, the Virgin Mary. All right. So, you know, it's not like I'm the first cat to suggest that the son of our sky, who was once the virgin child Horus, is also the virgin child Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to say that the son cannot incarnate as a human being or a divine being and do all the things that the big book says. There's very little history of that. But, I, you know, I don't want to challenge Adam. Son can do whatever the F the son wants to do as far as I'm concerned. Like, when people say Hermes wrote the tablet, heck yeah, he did. Like, I have no problem with that, right? These, for me, these are very powerful beings, well beyond anything I could possibly conceive of, you know? But I do wanna say that at least this goes back to Schiller's time. This is 1627, where people were seeing Jesus Christ as the sun in the sky. And he's writing this to the Pope, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and not being burned. So there's something in the esoteric tradition and I'll show you another time how the sun on the cross and what Easter is, is the where the ecliptic crosses the equator. These two planes that define the very real sacred astronomy of the tropical zodiac. It's very astronomical. The sun on the cross is simply Easter time when the sun is east of the center of the earth, where we are all one. Now, the crucifixion, we're told, was attended by three Marys, right? Magdalene, the Virgin, and another Mary. And I think, importantly, this is actually speaking to the three moons. The waning moon, right? Which is the maiden, and the full moon of motherhood. And then the waxing moon of the so-called crone. I know some people have a hard time with that word. I love it. For me, that means the wise sage. Um, and where do we see the moon and the sun together, but only at total solar eclipse time? So it's fun to be connecting again in the season of total solar eclipses. It's what first brought me to Astrology Hub Podcast in 2017. And of course, we just had um an eclipse recently. So I'm going to show you just quickly here the Christmas mysteries. And we did level one. Here comes Santa Claus and a bunch of things you can read about there. Um, some of these things we didn't speak about much today, like all Father Odin who hung in the tree. But we did get into that some in the um, podcast last year, which was episode 58. You can find that on YouTube and other places. Level two, which really should be level one. But, you know, the kids are already santed up. most most of them. So that's the old Christmas tree and the idea of the evergreen, the lights and the big star on top. And then we get to what it's kind of meant to be about, right? Which is Christ is born. And that brings me into the reason for the seasons, the idea of the virgin, the manger. And then Mary brings me to, so Christ himself just brings me to what are his 12 disciples. Yeah. They're called the 12 signs, right? By the way, Didymus Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, right? apostles. Didymus means twins. Thomas means twins. In other words, that guy, you and I call it Gemini, right? So, I mean, this is not that veiled actually. So the 12 tribes for a previous tradition, the 12 apostles for this Christian tradition are the 12 signs of the Zodiac, which have been honored by the mysteries Mm -hmm. in all lands for a long time. Um, So when I follow the sun, we get into the 12 tribes, the 12 apostles, but why are there twelve signs? And some would suggest, at least astronomically, this is because there's twelve moons. So we need to bring in the Mary, and Mary, Mary, the Moon, traveling with Christ, the Sun. And there's these three Marys at the crucifixion. So we get to the waning and the full, or the waxing and the full, and the waning moon and eclipses, right? And that's always like this is literally the order in a different language that, in which I teach sacred astronomy for astrologers do primary motion in the world tree. We do the seasonal energies and the sun moving through the signs. We bring in the moon and we do the lunations and synodic cycles like Jupiter, Saturn, the meetings of planets, which the moon, sun system, the monthly system, you know, we should first tune into as Astrology Hub has been doing since its beginning. Um, And then the last one of these I'm not going to get into now, but it has to do with why I would say, That special Christmas star, the three magi, the three astrologers were following, is actually the sun. (laughs) And you can say, well, so what? I mean, the sun rises every day. Well, at that time, it was aligned for the first time in 26,000 years to the last stars of a fish's constellation. And so we were moving from the age of the ram. A child was born who was the, the good lamb and the good shepherd right to the virgin and that's um aries thing but then he became the fisher of men and that and like moved into pisces and these are like higher mysteries of what's called axial precession and the ages you know and these stories of you know the dawning of the age of aquarius if people are really excited about pursuing that thread um you can go to my website which is geminibrett.com, and on the offerings page there's a movie called the sun on the cross and the turning of ages where you can take these things a little bit further. Um, But for now, I think that's enough of the Christmas mysteries. Now I want to make them exciting and interesting and have kind of mystical essence. And you know, that we should do, I think as a community. So if people want to team up, if you have some ideas, like if you want more clarity about some of these astronomical themes, I will be teaching that soon enough. And it will really land for you, but if you have some ideas of like how we can bring it in and make this interesting, please speak up and share and, and let's together create like whole other levels of these Christmas mysteries so that when the sleigh gets pulled out from under our feet, we don't think magic went away. we realize we're just ready for the next level of it.
0: Oh God, I love that so much you know and part of it is gonna be trying it on so when when I hear these kinds of things from astrologers like you and they get all excited about it and it's oh it's really astrological it's so funny my daughters are like mommy you think everything's astrological i'm like yes because it is <laughs> but exactly. yeah but um i tried the stories on you know and obviously they need to be like simplified and pared down but but we can do it i i know we can do it and i, and I love the idea of everybody sharing like how how are you explaining the sleigh and the reindeer as Ursa Major going over to Arcturus? Like, are you showing them? And, you know, how, how are yeah, you doing
1: that, it? That literally, and I have done this with kids and it's great. And they're like, oh, oh cool. Oh, right. It's awesome. like, I just point to him in the sky and I say, can you see Santa's sleigh? Right. 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 Oh, well. And can you see the train of reindeer? And look at that one. They're like, it's Rudolph. And I never say it. Right. It, right. Taurus is such a bright red star that it's every time I've done it, it's maybe five times now with different kids, parents, kids, I want to do this. They're like, it's read off. And there's so much excitement. And then we'll sit up there and watch for a couple hours and watch how it's moving around. Right. You know, so do you see how all the stars move? They're like, why? We're like, what's happening? Because right? nobody's tuning our kids into this. Right. It's because you right. are you know? Right. Uh, so, I well, mean, it's 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 I think we write this up as like a handbook. Right, yes. Easy pictures and when to go and where to point and that kind of thing. But I will say, once again, like what it's missing right now is a little bit of like the special sauce, like a little bit of the magic and the mystery. And, you know, that is my thing. But right now that thing's being applied (laughs) into many other realms. And so I just I want to collaborate here and like team up and have counsel. So let's get the together. Let's talk about how we can whisper these beautiful spells. And I guess, let me say, like, counteract the very strong magicians who have turned these traditions into consumerism, you know, distract. Because we want to celebrate these beautiful holidays in a way that bring us back in to our bodies instead of running away from them.
0: You know, Brett, the essence of these things is so beautiful. And so when we can pair it back to, and we can find that essence in them, it's, it is actually a magical discovery. And, and I'm with you. There's that period of time where you sort of go through the bah humbug, like, because there's the, what we've been told, then there's the transition period of like, well, but then what is it? Like, what's the point of doing any of this stuff? And then there's the rediscovery where you get to own it and bring it, like you said, into your body and have a, a different association and meaning with it. So it's a process. And, and I agree with you that the predominant storyline is so very loud and strong that it requires a very conscious effort on our part of introducing these new stories, whispering these new spells. I love that. But, but really what they are, they're, they're just bringing us back to the true essence of these, these celebrations, these festivals, these these rites of passages, these celebrations of life at different times of the year. You know, and that is one of the things that the Steiner and the Waldorf schools do so well is bring us back to that festival, um, you know, celebrating with the seasons and doing seasonally um, aligned celebrations.
1: Totally. And it's good to have one character that goes through all of these things. Like all the pagan mysteries had that. And it was typically a solar deity if we're talking about an annual happening, right? Or, and this is such a beautiful truth too, like the marriage throughout the moons of the sun and the moon, right? Mm -hmm. I want to end by, um, well, not end, but reading this Buckminster Fuller quote, which, you know, I had to just go look it up real quick as you were sharing. If we had Rick here, he just like he knows them all. But um, Bugminster Fuller told us this, that you never change things by fighting the existing reality. You change something or to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. But I'll kind of take that next level, right? Which is like, you don't even have to make it obsolete. Like you can actually use those characters and you just say, here's their next chapter. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what's missing. Like, I want to write this in such a way That it has that, like, not fictional, but like story quality. Cause, and I'm just pointing out stars in the sky. It's great, but it's not like, it's not like elves and the things that we want to hear, like, a a storytelling time. And we want to kind of just level those up. Like, if you watch the Harry Potters, like, the first one, it's still not good for (laughs) kids. Like, it's crazy, but you know, it got more and more adult. And that's how these things should happen, too. And I'm sure there's levels I've not yet been initiated into. Um, and so some of this will have really landed for you people out there. I'm sure you wonderful, amazing people. Thank you for joining us in, in ceremony and happy holidays and Christmas and solstice and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all the things to you. Um, but um, the ones that did like make them yours and see where it goes, please. And report back to the North pole. Um, <laughs> but one other thing I'll say is, you know, one of the reasons why I personally was in my bah humbug space, I mean, for some reason it was like I was alone my sister had like the kids in the family and was doing the thing. And so I was a little bit like I'm behind schedule or it didn't work out as it was meant to and all that. But a huge part of it was like going home to sit at the family table and just feeling like so depressed about how everyone's just like conversations about people's jobs and how much money they make and these you know in the gossip and when i would try to talk about my thing it was just like oh it's the weirdo and so you know i think that it's interesting that sometimes we feel most isolated when we're in a crowded room but we feel like we're the only ones who are seeing these things that others choose not to see which i would suggest is the principal role of the santa mysteries as employed by from the powerful dark magicians on the other side of the scene. But maybe that whole story is my own Santa. I, I honor that. Right. But I think importantly that this is a time now where we can say, oh, most of us won't actually get to experience the family gatherings, like big family gatherings that often we do. Like I'm in that, like my mom's two hours away, but she's not coming up because, you know, the TV told her not to and all that. And I want to honor her wishes and, um, But so it's a time I think where we can say, yeah, that thing that often hangs me up, like it shouldn't at all, because what these times really are about is keeping the light and the light is love. So hopefully in a time where this whole year, as Amanda said earlier, we kind of put in our place, what's going right. I loved hearing what you and Honor were saying this morning. And it's like, yeah, we used to say they should teach us in school. They should, you know. And no, wait, oh, they is we. And we starts with me. And let's get that going. And so we have had an opportunity this year to really start rewriting the story in the way it should be told and heard and experienced. And this is an effort that really wants to be in that alignment. The most important thing I think it's interesting in our separation we want to honor the beauty of family, the beauty of community. So it, it really like just warms my heart that I'm part of this astrology hub community, right here in my home with my beloved Scorpiona, But in so many ways, and Amanda, it's always such a treat to come here and play. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, and and it it is this time of, you know with this like we were just talking about with the education system and the schooling with the, the with the the holidays with all these things that we've all just been like yeah we do it and it's like it's okay but you know, I don't like that it's so consumer it you know it's so focused on the gifts and like there's where's the soul and where's the meaning and it's this instead of like why don't they do it the way I'm seeing it could be done why don't they why don't they care about what's important it's like well again who's they let's just take it back in we get to do it we mm-hmm. get to do it together and we get to actually share that vision that we've been holding those things we question like why is it done like that that doesn't like really feel right to me or it just doesn't like
1: why do we cut down the honor immortality? mortality right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like that,
0: that really resonates okay well now is our time to to rewrite and rethink and revise and just come up again with the with the thing that does work and does feel it's like wow well that you know we could go on and on I mean and I literally could and we do and that's why we have as many shows as we have and that's I mean this this um holiday season it felt so important to me to create a lot of really um, inspiring and thought provoking. And hopefully, um, you know, the kinds of things that help you remember, like your vision, because because we have this, you know, quote, unquote, pause, whatever you want to call it, we have this year where it's disrupted, like mm. the status quo is certainly disrupted. And so we, we get to be so intentional with what fills that gap. You know, we can. Keep letting autopilot go and let it fill in for us, or we can go. Ah, okay, pause. Let's let's mm, harness this and use it and and create something really intentional, really real, and really true. So. Um, I
1: recommend people like reach back to their roots, like to the roots, but also your own roots. Like if you know where your ancestors come from and like cruise into that and see what was done around this time to honor the darkness and the coming of the light and all that. And so tuning into the old, but also when we dream in the new and when we do this in a way with our feet in the soil and our hearts open, the mysteries literally will speak true. It doesn't have to be getting to the oldest translation of the thing. If you're willing to make yourself a conduit for the Mm -hmm. voice of spirit, right? And this is what we want to do. And so the other thing too, like I'm very blessed to have some family I will be with, but it's nice to be with this family. And I know that's true for so many people out there that as, as you say, Amanda, this is Ohana, this is family, this is sharing breath. So I'm so glad to talk story here. Um, there's I, I just thought when you said pause, I my friend Maria Stark is a magical bard, magician, musician, um, and I years ago on more like the bah Humbug side, we did a, a podcast called the the Santa Pause, which you can find on SoundCloud, but definitely no kids around for that one. But if you want to have a few laughs with your eggnog, tune it in. Um okay. but yeah, and, and again, Ohana family. So this is something that I would love to dream in together. So I will be coming back and reading the comments here. And if anybody wants to connect and like sit in council and think about ways that we can do this, that we could like actually land and work, like, please do. Like, I'd love to sit and tune in with you.
0: Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing these mysteries with us. Thank you for always getting our, our eyes up into the sky and always reminding us to keep our feet rooted on the ground as we do that. And thanks to all of you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you for your sincere and earnest desire to know, to connect, to be a part of which you already are a part of, all of these mysteries. And we're so grateful that you're here. Thank you for tuning into this episode, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. Mele kalikimaka. And we will see you again soon. Take care, everybody. If you're someone who craves more soulful connection during the holidays and you're ready to set some powerful intentions for your life as we enter 2024 you are in for a treat this holiday season you are officially invited to the 12 days of solstice challenge a free guided intention setting journey through the moon cycles of 2024 led by yours truly to learn more and secure your free spot head to astrologyhub.com solstice Let's start 2024 with more confidence, clarity, and intention than ever before. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.